everybody. Welcome to episode 211 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film and more. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson. And finally, we have a guest. <laughs> we have a guest, and um, you can stop listening to us yammer on about ourselves. Yes. Now we get to yammer on about somebody else who does what we do, um, but successfully. But. Yeah. So, um, what is your name and the name of your uh, film? My name is uh, Steve Lipshay, and my most recent film is called Life on Pause. Nice. So this, um, I was kind of scouring through the interwebs as I do, looking for films, uh-huh. and uh, I came across, I came across your short, and uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really cool. And uh, I think probably what what hooked me in most was a point where he was not actually recording. That's where I was like, I relate to this because this has sort of happened to us in a sense, not really when recording, but that we recorded over footage. (laughs) So that (laughs) feeling of just like, I just want to kind of crawl into a hole right now and just not come out of it. Um, And it just that that whole 80s feel. I mean, we're, you know, uh, late 70s children. So the 80s, 90s, you know, just that whole. Uh, that whole look was really familiar to us. How did you come across it? Because this, I believe this is a concept for a feature, correct? This is, uh, yes, this is a concept for a feature. This was a, this, uh, yeah, this was actually a proof of concept uh, made for a feature. Mm-hmm. Towards so a feature, how yeah. did you, how did you get into filmmaking? Uh, you know, it's, it kind of sounds like a cliche, but it it really is true that I can't remember not wanting to do it. Like mm-hmm. I've got, I've got those little flip it books from when I'm like, I must have been like toddlerish age because it's like these like really really small child stick figurey things. I still have them in a file cabinet, and there's all kinds of stories. And you flip through them, you know, you take the cards and you flip through mm-hmm. them, and I've got tons of them. So I really can't remember not wanting to do it like it's always something that i wanted to do and i can't remember like oh it was triggered by this because somehow it was like ingrained in me which is kind of funny because it's not it didn't come from my family because they're more practical technical they're not you know artistic my father uh was an engineer technical engineer mechanical engineer rather so there's really no one else in that was in my immediate family or even like cousins anything else it's just something that i always felt and i have i have to preface that with like it's i know it sounds cliche to say that but it just happens to be the case yeah i think that's kind of true for everybody though i think i don't i don't know anybody that that of all the people that we've interviewed interviewed on the show over the years i don't think anybody's ever had a story where they were like i had no interest in filming and then one day this one thing happened it's always just kind of like yeah i always enjoyed movies or i made movies with my siblings or we had a camcorder at home and something like that it's always something yeah i think to get to the level that that you're that you know, you, when you're in a place where you can actually tell a story and you have to, because look, making a, making a film is super hard, right? And no matter the size or the scale, any film you make is, you have a lot of people involved and there's, there's a ton of moving parts. And so I think to be able to get to that level, you either 
have to love it from the beginning and immerse yourself in it or be rich but you know, <laughs> none of us are that so it's you know yeah yeah i i, I be, the 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 difficulty in making them uh, uh you have to be getting this like incredible adrenaline rush just to be a part of it even when you're dealing with the most stressful aspects of it you're still just so in- incredibly happy to be in the process mm-hmm. so if you're not if, if you're not totally in love with it then you're you're not in the right thing yeah, yeah. it's just like any other job you know at that point yeah um, but yeah i mean to to sashia's point i feel like that the whole premise of it and the whole like every scene is something that i relate to on a spiritual level you know i mean there's you know the 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 stress you go through when you're trying to make ends meet at the beginning of your career or even during you know your career of of shooting weddings and i mean it could be anything right could be you know birthdays or or whatever but you know the stress of of having to do that and yeah to your point that that time when you're like when i hit pause i actually hit record and then when i hit record i thought it was uh, it was yeah. going to record then it paused and and um but just the 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 glimpse inside of that that whole world right i mean it's much more than than um what the plot line is right you know there's so so much more to to what's going on and i feel like there's a there's a good story there of of relationships and struggle and all this sort of stuff kind of you know cloaked in this very relatable kind of um you know career that this person's in and 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 passion that this person has and so it's so different mm. too now when you think of like at that time when people started to actually record their wedding back then yeah you know that was such a big deal i mean now you've got a hundred people at your wedding that all have their cell phones up and somebody's going to capture a moment even if something gets lost through the videographer somebody probably caught it um and i feel like it's it's you know, we went through this this period where it was the thing to have, and now it sort of seems to be the first thing to go when people are cutting back on weddings. It's like, do we really need this recorded? Ah, eh, probably not. But this was a way of life, you know, when this became popular. So, um, yeah, that's it's it's such a crucial thing at that time because that was that could make or break you whether you were a good videographer. And now the the business has changed so much. It's, I don't think that anybody really makes money just doing weddings anymore. It's usually like they do weddings and corporate to kind of fill in the gaps. But at that time, that was that was your bread and butter. So um, did you have any experience with doing wedding videography that you picked this or? Oh, absolutely. I okay. was I, I was a 1980s wedding. <laughs> uh, and uh so not only was I a 1980s wedding videographer, but I made the mistake that Adam made. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, I I, I started at a very young age. Um, I think it was my parents that suggested, because we were members of this temple, and uh, my father suggested, uh, you know, maybe you could make money doing this. I was only 14 years old, and I started uh, videotaping bar mitzvahs and mm-hmm. weddings. I never really loved doing it matter of fact i kind of hated doing it but it i liked the idea of uh just doing something professional mm-hmm. uh so there was like the feeling of being good at something 
and I did it for uh, quite a long time, up and up close close to the time that my actual wedding took place. And there was so much stress that I only, and I'll explain this in a second. I only enjoyed Wednesdays because uh, Saturday and Sunday I was out doing the uh, uh, the jobs, which were incredibly stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was recovering on Monday and Tuesday just <laughs> because because you had to carry so much stuff. Oh, God, you yeah. had to you had. Uh, That was before even the camcorder uh, when I was doing it, where you had basically the VCR, a big VCR, was strapped, uh, was a strap uh, around your shoulder. That connected to a camera. The VCR needed batteries. The camera needed batteries. You had lights, and the lights needed batteries. It was all very heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just needed to, just from the stress and the, the physical stress, and from the emotional stress, everything, I had to spend Monday and Tuesday just kind of like trying to like uh, uh, calm down from it yeah. and just recover. So Wednesday was kind of like, all right, middle of the week. <laughs> but then there's so much that could go wrong that I would spend Thursday and Friday uh, making sure the batteries were charged but not overcharged, yep. making sure that I had the list. There was no GPS in those days, so I would check and recheck the directions to get there on maps, and I would write it out on this whole thing that I taped to the dashboard, and I would check and recheck it uh, so I wouldn't get lost. And then you you don't know when you're going to hit traffic. You don't know what traffic is going to be. Uh, you don't know if you're actually going to get lost or not. So I was so – and if you're not there at that moment with equipment ready, right. at that exact time, mm-hmm. you get no second chance. There's only one chance to be there and to be doing it correct. Uh, so you need to have enough time to get everything ready, prepped, make sure it's all working, and then and then do it right. So I would leave sometimes two to three hours earlier than I needed to, and many times – it proved to, you know, as OCD as that is, it proved to be like, if I had not done that, it Mm -hmm. would have been terrible. So how this incident took place, it was the very last job that I did, but it wasn't the reason it was the last job that I did. (laughs) It was, um, I had got from carrying all that stuff around, I had gotten two different hernias one on my left side, one on, and then a year later, one on my right side. Oh, wow. I also hated doing it. I mean, I never thought, hey, you know, it would be a great idea. It was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was my parents' suggestion. I was making money at it, but it's also, it's just very thankless in that, I mean, you're in a media, it's like, it's a media type job. It's one of the hardest, it's harder than doing stuff mm-hmm. that's more respected and more enjoyable <laughs> and you don't get any respect for doing it. Yeah. And most of them, I don't even remember because you don't, you don't remember who those right. people were. One is the same as all the others. So anyway, uh, I had, I decided I'm out. I've I, I quit. I, uh, I, I work as an editor, by the way, my, my, my primary career is working as an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just started, uh, uh, doing that and I thought wedding videos I'm done mm-hmm. and but I was contractually obligated to do a job I think this was, I decided to quit in like January of that year and I was contractually obligated to do it to do a, a one more job like in September or something so I had to keep the business open uh, everything else just to accommodate this one job that I was contractually obligated to do and 
maybe and i just couldn't wait till it was over because then i knew i'd be free and done never do it again so maybe i had mentally checked out who knows Mm -hmm. but what happened was um for the majority uh uh at the end of the wedding ceremony uh i pressed the button which i thought for the very last time and it went into record mode and i thought no, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do this. No. And I just like Adam in the in the film does, I hit rewind I, I hit rewind, sure enough, ceilings, floors. Oh my God. It was it was it was a nightmare. So uh, uh, to your point, there was this was pre cell phone. There was so but there was a guest who had a camcorder mm-hmm. that I saw. Uh, so I made a point, you know, I was like just my heart beating and then I had to like dr- drive to where the party was, the, the reception. And I went up to these people and I said, I made a horrible mistake. Could I please borrow your tape? Now I didn't, I didn't miss the entire ceremony. Sure. I think the, the problem happened like somewhere midway through. So what I did was I borrowed these people's tape. I kind of like edited together, uh, what their thing and my thing, you, believe it or not, nobody got to kiss at the end. But this was a strange, this was a strange ceremony that they kissed twice. I don't know why, ah. but I so so I think they got the earlier kiss, and I made that seem like the final kiss. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, so the end of the story is back in the, those days. I don't know why this was the case, but you would like go to the people. You wouldn't just hand them the tape. You'd go to the people's house. And then, like, they put it in their VCR, and you like watch it with. They'd watch it with you. Oh God! To, like, make sure, right? Right? I don't know why that was. It seems that that seems absurd now. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, anyway, it turns out these people that I spoke to were the groom's relatives, the husband. So uh, prior to this, the groom actually called me on the phone, and he was like, uh, "I know what happened. I don't give a shit. Just don't tell my wife." <laughs> and I was like fine deal all right so we're watching the tape in their house after this he's giving me looks and so it's literally cutting between one camera one professional looking and one amateur looking camera oh God. Yeah. right from two completely different angles uh but the wife the bride uh was like how many cameras did you use and i just looked at her right in the eye and i said two she goes, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, with that, my wedding uh, video career was over. But uh, that was the inspiration for Life on Pause. Now, another interesting thing about Life on Pause is that the feature, it's not one of these things. So when people say, well, how do, you, how do you intend to expand this into a feature? But it's actually the reverse because the feature length script existed for many years. Mm. Uh, and I spent a long time trying to, you know, figure out how am I going to get a, a, someone to finance this, you know, the age old question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, eventually I started partnering with some people and it became clear that if I want to get if I want to get this thing financed, I've got to first prove what I can do. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I came up with, uh, I tried to, I came up with uh, a, a shorter version of the feature, mm-hmm. specifically to try to sell the feature. Mm-hmm. So I came up with this short script. 
Um, and we planned to shoot it in like summer 2019 or something. And an interesting thing happened is that uh, during the course of that year, one of the people that uh, was involved in the project out of the blue said, you know, for because uh, he, 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 he talked about financing the the uh, the short and he says for this kind of money, uh, why don't we just do the whole feature but piecemeal? So the idea was, you know, we do some we do like one shoot like mm. towards the end of 2019 and then another shoot like mid you know early 2020 and then something else a little bit later in 2020 anyway without going into any details uh just prior to that process beginning it ended up none of that was legit mm -hmm. but a lot of but i had cast all these actors they put time aside i took time off of work you know what goes into planning right. a, a film shoot. So what I did was I thought, well, let's go back to doing the short. We're going to make the short happen. And I just kind of like added a couple other characters in that I had cast for the feature. And so they're also part of the short as well. And we went ahead and did it in three days. And the end result is uh, I had a finished short and had the original plan uh, been legit, it would have fell apart anyway because of what happened in 2020 right, of course right. so so even even if like even if those shoots ended up happening and didn't happen until like nowish the what are the chances that the continuity would have worked right. so so that is the full story of life on pause so right now um uh the proof of concept actually worked because there is a um producer uh who was interested in the project initially but not so sure about working with me as a director because he wasn't sure about my you know experience but having seen the proof of concept now and then it's been in tons of festivals and won awards etc mm -hmm. that convinced him so now he wants to do it and the interesting thing is he's he's in the czech republic and a lot of the money would be coming from the czech film commission i think oh. so mm. so that would mean that about half the feature would have to be filmed in Prague. Oh. You know, anything and, and yeah, anything that's kind of like indoors, right. etc. Uh, but then the story takes place here in America, so another half of it would have to be done here. So interesting. Uh, yeah, so I've rambled on a good bit, but that's that is uh, the overall story of Life on Pause. Oh, it's interesting because I don't, I never think about that. If you're having, if if you're being uh, your producer is international, then you would. If that film commission is from another country, then they would want you to bring yeah. business to that country as well, or film it in that yeah. country. So that is interesting. Right. Think of that. Right. Which is a uh, what one would think that that would be. Uh, um, uh, I mean, it it is a complication. But it's a very exciting complication, yeah. you know, the idea of, yeah, because, uh, you know, you, to, to be able to say something like, oh, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not available that week. I'm going to be doing a, a feature in uh, Prague. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know it, just, <laughs> it almost sounds pretentious to say that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so. Yeah, um, that adds an a, a instant legitimacy to, yeah. to whatever you're Oh, you're doing. filming in Prague. Well, okay, excuse yeah. me. Uh, yes. Well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just doing something on my iPhone, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I so that's what happened there. I think what's really cool about so I I always find that you know working in the business a, a lot of people that we that we talk to that do any film work in the business but 
in a lot of stories that you see of, of directors that uh, that that maybe do even lower end uh, type productions, um, it's easy to get stuck in that and just go for what makes money, right? Because making films takes so much time and it's so much work. And I feel like it's easy to get stuck in the, the cycle of like, look, I have a production job. I don't necessarily like what I produce and or uh, DP or edit or direct, but it pays the bills. And then that dream of actually making your own work sort of just dies off because do I really want to take, do I want to turn this project down? Uh, uh, you know, I, I was offered a job uh, that's paying $50,000 to direct this film and for, you know, a couple months or whatever. Do I want to say no to that and then have to get $50,000 of my own money to, to make a film? And, uh, you know, so I think it's 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 really great that, you know, you are in the business, but you're still pursuing this because I, I see that sort of die down a lot from, you know, from a lot of filmmakers and with the intent to really do their own thing and make something, but then kind of just getting lost in what pays your rent yeah yeah that happens that that happened uh, that that happens a lot and uh i think we all kind of get caught up in that but i think what it, it over the course of years it's it real what, what's occurred to me is that if you want to if you want to do something or you want to be known as something you can't wait for someone to give you permission to do that, that yeah. you have to kind of just say, all right, guess what? I'm a director because I'm directing something. Mm -hmm. I chose to do it. I figured out how to do it. Uh, and see, therefore, that, that was a perfect case in point where, uh, and once I made this short, I mean, it, it, it completely changed just my whole trajectory. So um, yeah, I think you just have to kind of just figure out uh, all right, I'm gonna. I want to do this, so let's let let let's make this a reality. And it's sometimes it's a question of like whether I want to do. It's about. This is another sounds like a cliche, but like I've with every passing day, I step. I always opt to step out of my comforts comfort zone, at, whenever I can, even if it's something that like like uh, um, I took the I, I took a class on like pitching films and they were asking for volunteers to like stand in front and do like a three minute pitch and like it was something i had to memorize in order to be done in three minutes and it, it was kind of uncomfortable but i didn't have to do it but i did it because mm -hmm. it was just kind of like you just have to kind of like have that experience and if you if you go into something that's out of your comfort zone then you've done it mm -hmm. and now that's now it's more in your comfort zone because yeah, you've yeah. You, you you put your feet in the water so i have um that's why, like, while I'm in the process of trying to get, you know, uh, uh, getting this thing, this feature going, I didn't, I wanted to get another short happening. So I have another short planned. Oh, cool. Um, and this one is a standalone short, and that's going to be in March of next year, called Static Cling. And it's also based upon a real life experience. Hmm. In this, in this story, someone gets caught inside of his, he gets trapped inside of his own coat in a laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> and th th this is something that happened to me as well uh several years ago i was in a laundromat it was a, a dead of winter uh and i had a, like a heavy winter coat on but it was hot in the laundromat and 
So I thought, let me take, got to take this coat off. And I start pulling, you know, pulling on the zipper, but my zipper kind of got stuck. And so I was doing like, you know, <laughs> shaking, shaking, like, God damn this zipper. I was like, and I was really pulling on it to try to like get it down. And in the process of doing this, it went up. And it was one of these coats that had the zipper goes all the way up along the, um, the collar. Right. So the collar literally, <laughs> literally, it literally, it was almost like my up to my chin. And, the, and then it like the thing broke off right there. Oh man. So, so, uh, I thought the only way to get this coat off of me is to kind of like try to like push it up from within. So I took my arms and pulled them into each sleeve to try to like push up from the torso area. But then I couldn't get, there was no way of getting my arms back out the sleeves. So it was kind of like I was trapped in a straitjacket <laughs> with, with the sleeves dangling. It was so ridiculous. And I'm walking around trying to get people to help me <laughs> and, pe and People are trying. People are trying to like pull it up off my head, and uh, so I was mortified. But at the same time, I was thinking, "Oh my God, this is great!" <laughs> and what was funny is that what how I finally got out. There was like this mother with all these kids, and she's like, "Oh my God, kids do this all the time." And she pulls out like a bobby pin or something from her hair, and was like you know, stuck it inside the zipper and was able to undo it eventually. So I ended up bonding with all these people and we were like sharing mo like fo other faux pas moments. Yeah. So with this story, uh, it's not happening to like a nice guy. There has to be a dramatic arc. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of, uh, he, he's, he's an asshole that, uh, that needs a comeuppance. He mm -hmm. is, uh, he's like, you know, uh, talking real loud um on to someone on speakerphone on his phone he's taking his clothes he's like throwing them into a bag like that's uh and it's hitting people in the head mm. and he's like coming on to this woman uh and he, he he like throws clothes at the top of her head and you know he's being he's being a jerk mm -hmm. and so ultimately uh, when he gets caught inside of his own coat and then he goes, there's a whole series of people that try to help him and then things get worse and worse and worse. So it's kind of a, uh, he, he is humbled and kind of, you know, I think when people act that way, it's often, um, they're covering up for some insecurity oh, and this yeah. guy has, he has the insecurity too. And like his real self, which is nicer comes out as a result. Um, so uh, that was another another like real life faux pas incident that I made into something, and that'll be uh, that'll be filmed in March of 2023. That's really that's a really funny concept. You know, I've had I have a, an irrational fear of that happening because it's almost happened. You know, there's the moment where um, the the step the, the zipper gets stuck, and you're like, okay, what if I can't? I have to get cut out of this. Like, <laughs> what happens? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that did happen to me once with a longer coat, which is even worse because you can't even like free out from where your waist and legs are because you're sort of trapped in. So like as you were saying that, I was just internally like, yeah, I would be freaking out yeah. basically. But I think on a deeper level, it's it. it I like the idea of how humi humility can be like this great equalizer, right? Where mm -hmm. it's, you know, you it, it can really kind of break down the barriers that a character like that would have. You know what for whatever it is you know whether they're you know like you said bullies are usually insecure and you know humility can be like a, a great kind of barrier to kind of let allow that person to to 
feel, you know, um, to, to get into a headspace where they can kind of let all that go and, and kind of be able to, um, it's also the ironic karma of that, like someone being a jerk or, you know, uh, acting like, uh, like an asshole and then getting stuck in their own coat. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yeah. Uh, like an, yeah. Like an, ex- an example, like uh, an example of like how the process changes, how he gradually like starts shedding the skin. Like one of the, one of the, one of the first people that tries helping him is his mother and her five kids <laughs> who, who try, who try, who try pulling the coat off his head. And while they're doing that, he's like, oh, I should have known, you know, and I mean, I'm just going to the stupid laundromat. So I wear this junky coat my mother gave me. And I should have known you need quality in this world instead of this piece of crap. And then later on, where he's he's trying to get help from these like roughneck uh, teens. And one of them like takes a key and like cuts a sleeve open you know, cuts a slit in the sleeve. And he's like, what are you doing? My mother gave me this code. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, so clear, so clearly he's got some sent. It's got sentimental value. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like the, the layers keep getting pulled back. Yeah. 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 I think and literally, literally, <laughs> literally. And yeah. Literally, literally. Um, I think just going, just uh, jumping back real quick uh, for a second, going into the, the, the wedding videography. I know that um, we attempted this, uh, many, many years ago where, you know, he was obviously, he, you know, he's a, a DP and director, so he, he was doing well, the videography, but I was like assisting. Um, and this is, you know, I think you still had, you didn't have the, the digital yet for both. I think, did you have, at least for one know. you did. And that camera was pretty heavy. Well, they're all not digital, as heavy. but they're, I think it was like the DVX. Or I th- it might've been the DVX, uh, for the first one, but maybe not the second one. Um, and, uh, you know, just like even that, even with the DVX not being nearly as heavy as the cameras were in the eighties and nineties, um, you know, he, he's just sweating. And every time he has to make a move, it's like someone has to grab this, grab this, you know? So it was very much needing some, a two person job for like, here, you hold this, you grab this, follow me over here. What's going on. And then noticing that he's sweating and he's thirsty and he can't put his hands down. So me having to like hold a cup to his mouth, like here, drink water. Cause you're going to dehydrate. You know, like, and I remember one of the guests uh, walking up. Um, I don't know if she knew that we were a couple, but uh, she was like, you're, you're so loving towards him because I was literally like wiping the sweat off of his face. Cause he just didn't have time. You know, it was just like, get to the next and, and we didn't have experience in it. So, um, that was such a humbling moment where you don't realize that it's such a, it's such a choreographed thing. You know, you think there's, because we're, so, we're sort of like, oh, we would want a, a, a wedding to have like just a really casual flow. We don't want anything too fussy not realizing that is how most weddings are. And so there isn't like that, like, hey, we're going to go do this now. It just happens. And you have to be on point the entire time to see what everybody's doing. Um, And uh, I don't know. It's like, I think we learned pretty early in. We were like, this is not this. I think we thought like, oh, it's kind of like filmmaking, right? It's close enough. (laughs) And it's like, it's similar in a way, but no. And the last thing they want to do on their wedding day, which is their biggest day, is worry about what your, you know, what your needs are. Yeah. You know, because they're, they've got a million things. They've got friends and family there. It's their big wedding day. The last thing they want to know is 
like where can I put this mic or you know where you know they don't they don't want to deal with the logistics that you have to kind of figure out along the way I think people also don't realize what goes into it they like the idea of a wedding video and then when it's like I need to mic you up for this or I need to put this here and they're like oh I don't want that there it's like well if you want to hear it <laughs> I'm gonna have to put this here and you know I'm gonna need you to come over here for a second it's that whole thing I think where they just think it's just going to be recorded somehow and that it's not going to be intrusive at all in their day that you're they're not even going to know you're there but um i know for me personally what started to frustrate me the few times we did it was people with their cell phones i was like we're losing this entire shot because seven people just jumped in front of the camera with their phone and yeah you know it 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 got to a point where i was like unless I can say to a bride and groom, like, listen, you need to tell all of your guests, if you want this video, all of your guests have to have their phones down during the ceremony. And nobody wants to do that. So it's just like, why are we, you know, why would we be in this business? This is this is really terrible. And your cell phone's never going to look as good as what we're recording on. So, like, just relax and enjoy, you know, yeah, so it's right. interesting. Yes. Like, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's ironic in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's you, you're there. So they can just enjoy the event. Right. That's also something just nowadays, there's, I think there's such a tendency to, because now uh, everyone has a camera with them everywhere they go, there's a tendency, like a knee-jerk reaction to, oh, let me record this, let me record that. And and then then there's the whole social media aspect mm -hmm. where yeah. I think that I, I I don't like doing that because I just I, I just kind of like the old school of I just want to it's funny because when I was younger I was like that. When I when I was uh carrying around all that like heavy stuff, like I would in, in college I brought that to uh, I brought that and I have all these like parties from mm -hmm. uh, the eighties <laughs> uh, because uh, a friend of mine called it my social crutch and he was, he wasn't he wasn't wrong mm -hmm. but now I feel like you know, sometimes you just have to experience things and yeah. enjoy things and you are like you know allowing those people to just enjoy the party and dance uh, have the food uh, spend time with family and friends and they have the, the, the knee-jerk reaction of, i I got to record this too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, the, the, th the, the thing about th that was also really stressful is when you think about like how important a wedding day is, right? That this is, this is, this is their wedding day. You know, uh, hopefully they'll only get married once. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and so, so that means that this is that they want everything to go great. There's all the emotions that come with that. There's all the pragmatic aspects of everything that they've paid for. Don't want anything to go wrong. All their, I mean, it's, it's very high stress, very important. And just the idea of, for, for me, every weekend I was with people on their most important day mm -hmm. or one of the most important days of their life, one after the other. And then after I stopped doing it, the idea of just like being with people on just another day, like even even if you're even if you're making, uh, I mean, you're you're doing a high production film shoot. Guess what? That's important and great and yeah. a lot of fun and creative. But it's just another day. It's not your wedding day. You're, you're you're doing a project. You're doing a great fun project. And just the idea of being with people, or, or you know, working as an editor. 
I'm working on projects with people who are also at their jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like just the idea of being with people on not their wedding day, on regular <laughs> yeah. days. Yeah. Like like I'm I, I'm working, they're working, we're all working, we're working together. This is a we got this project done. And and also we're all working on stuff that's not the most important thing in your life. It's TV. Right. TV right. shows. We're promoting a TV show. We're editing a TV show. It's not a, it's not a life or death situation. Yeah. I mean, it's something we all want to do our best, but it's a job. Mm -hmm. And so that was so relieving to me to not have to be dealing with people on the most important day of their life because yeah. that puts so much stress on me. Um, and, and then all, on, on a film shoot, something goes wrong. Guess what? You do a reshoot. Right. Yeah, there's right. No, there's no take. reshoots yeah. with, with a, with a wedding. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a, a higher end one where they, they, they understand it and they're, they kind of are, are much more accommodating to it. You know, I noticed that, you know, a lot of people want these very high end, almost filmic quality kind of wedding videos, but it's, you know, the, the, the combinations that they have to make in order to let that happen yeah. is not something that they understand. And I think on the lower end, as as the as the uh, technology gets much much more um, inexpensive, you know, there's always somebody that has a cousin or a brother or a nephew that knows how to work a camera, and then they'll think that that's good enough, and so that drives the prices down. So it's a really kind of tricky thing to navigate nowadays it seems anyway yeah that's part of and the stigma of a wedding videographer is also something sure. because, yes. <laughs> sure. because as you were saying i mean it's sometimes like if, if we have to, if we have to get rid of something well we have a photographer mm -hmm. uh we don't necessarily need the wedding videographer or let's get our cousin instead that that that's that that was part of the joke at the beginning of the film yeah where uh where uh He's like, uh, you, you know, you, you you really must think you are someone. He goes, well, I am a wedding videographer. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. You know, uh, so and and in the feature, that's explored further in that there's uh, there's this character Bob the photographer, who's one, and I've experienced many of these these like people who've been who take themselves very very seriously as still photographers. Mm -hmm. They're artists. They're experienced and they're way more important than the wedding videographer. Yeah. So I had so many guys, you know, who were at the time considerably older than me and they would be like, just stay. Well, just stay at least three feet behind me at all times. Mm -hmm. And like all yeah. this stuff of like, you know, just showing how much more important he was than I was. And so that I explore that in the in the feature as well. So this guy, yeah, this guy Bob the photographer, yeah. and um, you know he's he's got like a a, a logo Bob the photographer on his <laughs> tuxedo and all this stuff. So that's that's explored further. There's a lot there's a lot of things that uh, that are in the feature that I obviously wasn't able to encapsulate in just 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um we've only done a few weddings, you know, maybe four or something like that. Four or five. Four or yeah. five. But um we've we got we've been lucky in that the photographers have always been pretty open to us um being there and you know not worrying about um you know if they're setting something up for a shot you know they have no problem with us you know kind of they didn't at the time anyway have any problem with us kind of like 
you know, piggybacking on, on the that kind of, you know, setup. So. I've definitely seen the pretension, though, for oh, sure, where it's like, seen it. yeah. like I am We've the most important lucky. person in terms of capturing any type of image. And you're just kind of here. Um, there was one wedding where the, the photographer, it was two photographers. It was a husband and wife as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And they were they were very uh generous about us being able to get a shot as well so like they would get their shots and then they'd look to us like do you need to get in here or did you get your shot but i can tell that they were like oh why yeah. is there a videographer here you know yeah. they were nice about it yeah. but it was just like well, it's 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 a funny thing right where i know we're just end up talking about wedding for the whole time <laughs> but it's it's you know how accommodating it the these the the bride and groom are for photographs right let's go get, take some photographs let's you know pose for this and pose for that but they don't do that they don't have that same kind of mentality towards a videographer right they're not like here let's let's do this part so that he can film it or or x y and z and yeah. so you're kind of just there it's and they're also like just a carrying show. a camera with a lens attached to their hip and that's all they have to worry about you know they're yeah. not lugging uh, you know, a, a bunch of equipment yeah. around with them and so it was just, it was much more casual but that's always I, I think that uh Whenever people we knew were getting married, I would be like, oh, here we go. They're going to invite us to the wedding and then also ask if we can record it and then tell us, listen, we want you to have a great time. That's not going to happen. Oh, I had that. Those yeah. things, they're not, they're, they're, they don't go hand in hand. There's no way for me to just relax and have a good time at your wedding if we're having to record it. It's impossible. <laughs> um, yeah. And then ha them having them go, did you eat? Did you sit? because you're dancing and we have to record this and he's sweating to death and i have to go over there and get him food because he hasn't eaten i think the last the very last wedding that we did there was a point where i was like i'm going to pass out i'm so hungry and i ran downstairs since we were also guests and just like shoveled food into my face and i felt so bad because he was upstairs setting up it was the cocktail hour so they were about to come up and he's setting up for all that. He's like, I can't stop. I'm like, but you have to eat. Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like shoving crackers in his mouth as he's setting things up. Uh, and it was the same thing like, oh, you know, you guys should just sit down. It's like, well, we can, but you're not going to get any of this yeah. footage. So, you know, we're either a guest or you're hiring us. It's we're, we're also kind of, um, uh, you know, all all prisoners to our own creativity, yeah. creative wants and needs, right? You know, it's it's not usually the people like us we don't we don't want it to be bad if we're going to do it let's make it the best it can be and so we're going to automatically kind of put in that extra little bit to make it amazing yeah. um whether we have friends, to or not so and, yeah, want, yeah. And, and especially if they're your friends but yeah even so like because if you do this for a living this is your bread and butter so everything you do has to be the best and so you kind of have to um but you know, as a creative person, you want it to be amazing and, and, and to be really good. So you're kind of trapped in this whole thing of the normal logistics that you have to go through and capture all these things. But then there's also the part of you that wants to go above and beyond and make it even better because you want to improve as a, you know, as an artist or, or whatever. And so those two things combined are really kind of a recipe for just a disastrous evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've never... I, I've had people uh, ask me the, that as well. And once once I did that last job that I told you about, mm -hmm. I was determined, no, I'm never doing this again. Never, ever doing this again. So, um, I mean, I might 
I might record stuff at an event, you know, just the way you would record, like, you know, we're gone vacation. Mm -hmm. Here's what we did today. You know, what people are doing with their cell phone, you know, why not? Here's something that we did. But to record it in a way for the people whose party it is and, and be comprehensive, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it for money or not for money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just don't want to do it. What I what what I got out of all of that was life on pause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so well, so there's the silver so, lining. Yeah, yeah, you got a silver lining on yeah. that. Um Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it just it's really it's really interesting and and uh to to see just that to exist in that world and and to to go through that change and see where it is now and um and then to be able to get a short from it um uh i have to say i'm i'm also i'm excited for your next short because that just sounds really interesting and i want to see that play out um so we we would love to stay in touch with you to see where that goes because uh that sounds like a really fun so that's going to be a short correct that's going to be yeah that's going to be a short and that was written specifically just to be another short just to have it yeah uh so and i've got i've got other like full-length scripts as well like the the idea of the the idea of writing what you know like after i wrote the life on pause uh feature i wanted to write something else and then because i worked many years in the post-production industry, I thought, well, let me write about that part of my life. Right. Let me write about the being in the post-production industry. And because all the crazy people that you meet and these bizarre characters and things, like taking you into that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my wife was like, you should write a, uh, I don't, uh, can you write a vampire story? <laughs> like, I was like, why don't, wh- what do I know about vampires? Yeah. I don't know, like, like I, and then I thought, oh, wait a minute. And I, what if I combine those two the, things? The vampire so, editor. So <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. So I wrote a uh, um, uh, a feature length script called Night Sessions, and it's uh, it's basically about a um, uh, a vampire that takes, uh, among other things, takes over a post production facility. But there's per- <laughs> there, there's periods where the like. Um, uh, he's doing crazy things like editing faster than anyone possibly can and doing all this amazing stuff. And, but he only is working at night. At night right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like the, that's the night set. And that's also based on experience because I've done tons of what are called the night sessions. Yeah. 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 I mean, your wife is like, this isn't quite what I meant when I said a vampire yeah. story, yeah. but yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but again, like I, I wouldn't want to like anything that I write, I want to, you want to kind of feel that, like, whenever I've struggled with anything, mm-hmm. I, there's always, like, a reason I'm struggling. Like, if, if, I, if I'm, if, if something is taking me a long time, it's because something is not quite working. Right. Like, it, you know that you've got something when it's, like, just suddenly, like, shoots just, into yeah. your head. Yeah. And you got to, like, oh, my God, I got to record this on my phone. I got to get, I got to type this up as fast as I can. And you, and you don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's when you know you've got something. So, um, and so th- that kind of gelled together, like, combining those those two worlds. So that was that was fun. Yeah, that's definitely. Mm-hmm. So that, it, would, that would hopefully be a follow-up to uh, the other feature. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that I relate to. Um, we don't always get to talk to writers so like as a writer I'm always excited when I talk to another writer because I recently went through this where I went through 
the the biggest uh you know brain fart really to put it mildly of uh, you know usually I would get writer's block yeah but like maybe a couple weeks couple months and then something would come to me and no problem um but I don't know if it was just like the COVID brain like if we just after all of this stuff like just Hmm. I kept trying with I was jumping between like these three concepts and I loved them all, but none of them stuck. It, it was just I, I couldn't seem to really get through it. And then I had a, a a life event, and all of a sudden I was like, that's what I'm going to write about because I've just experienced this, and I don't know how to feel about it. And wouldn't this be interesting, um, you know, to, to be able to sort of play this out? Because as an actor myself, it's like I'm writing that I'm writing that character for myself and I've experienced this. So um, it's just like, you know, it's so weird. That's the longest that's ever been for me that I was like, why is nothing sticking? Nothing is sticking. And then, uh, you know, having something traumatic happen, but then having sort of a dark humor, just trying to find dark humor in that. And then, you know, writing that because it it is what you know. Um, And it's, it's fun to write fictional stuff that's what I always write but this is the first time that I'm writing about something that I've that's actually connected to me so um it's a it's a different way of writing it's so different what you know yeah it's so different though because I'm so used to just like made up fictional stuff that I've never experienced so this is new right right yeah I always even if I'm writing stuff that's that's I mean if everything I'm writing is is fiction but it's kind of like either based on people that I know or it's got to have the sense of humor that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a very dry sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, like if I, if I tried to do something that's, I mean, everyone's got a different sense of humor. Everyone's got a different point of view of aesthetic things, mm-hmm. but I feel like you have to, you have to entertain yourself. You have to do something that's true to what you personally like and what feels right to you. Like if I, if I, tried to write something that I think would be like a like a, to more of like a general sense of humor then it wouldn't be true to my humor right I like I I, I like the uh, um, I, there's there, there's something about dry humor and deadpan that that's that's what appeals to me so mm-hmm. there's people who are going to have that kind of humor and like it and then people who are not really you know yeah you know. right. it, it's kind of funny because I've had tons of um uh critics reviews of life on pause the the short and it's funny to read them because they every one of them more or less had a different point of view Mm -hmm. i mean i mean there's positive ones but they're positive for different reasons right yeah and then uh i I, let's say for example uh like there's like a, one of them talk. Let's say there's positive and negative aspects. One says, "Well, uh, I wasn't crazy about the plot, but I really love this actor. This actor was great." Mm-hmm. Or and then there could be someone else that's like, "I'm not, I'm not so sure I look crazy about the acting, but I love the plot." Yeah. <laughs> and and then there's people that don't really seem to get it, yeah. and people that totally get it. Yeah. Right. And it's it's interesting. And once you it's very mind freeing to see that because it makes you not take criticism uh, so badly because you kind of realize, wait a minute, I did what was true to me. And then, but once you do something and you put something out there and someone watches it, then it becomes their experience Mm -hmm. and their experience is based on their life experience and themselves. Cause no, no one is going to have the same, 
that's why I, I very rarely like argue about films or like, oh, you got to see this. You got to see this show. It's, you know, because invariably you'll like r- rave about something and then s- someone sees it like, eh. This happens to crazy. us all the yeah. time. Yeah. All the time. Just, we review it's stuff just the human condition. People yeah. say you have to see, this was the best movie of the year and uh, it happened with The Northman. Everyone was like, it's the most, it's the best film that's ever been made. And then I watched it and I was like, Okay. I mean, it looked beautiful. Everyone yeah. did their well, it's, job, it's, but I was just like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get it. You know, yeah. like I didn't get the hype of it. Like it was a lovely film, but I just didn't get the hype. And, you know, on the show, we review things, we review things that we like, and we talk about things that we like and that we don't like, but we always say, this is what I didn't like about it. Exactly. It's subjective. It's yeah. what didn't work for me. Um, but those criticisms are subjective, but you know, as filmmakers and as a writer, if enough people watch a film and 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 a handful of them are complaining about the same part of the plot or the writing, then I, as a writer, have to go like, okay, hold on, everyone's having the same complaint about this, yes. so I might have gone off the rails here and done something that didn't right. work. But we've gotten those reviews as well, where it's like, this one's over here, that one's well, over there, and that's when it's like, all right. I just did my thing and you take it how you take yeah. it, but no one's complaining about one singular thing yeah. that, you know, I, I need to focus on. So that's okay. Yeah. It's the subjectivity of the art form that is, I think the best part, right? Because there's, there's, there's films that we've watched that were like, I didn't like this film at all, but I'm so happy that it was made. Right. Yeah. And so, because there's, you know, you, for whatever reason is you want more originality or, or whatever, you know, it's, it, it goes into every aspect. You've experienced it with this film. We've experienced with all of our films, uh, you know, where one film festival can look at it and be like, this is the best film here. And then another film festival will be like, we don't even want to play it. You know? and so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's that. And I think if you have a film that has a mass appeal, then chances are there's not a lot of conflict going on probably or you know um because there's no way to make everybody happy it's just impossible you just have to hope that there's enough people that resonate with your point of view that will enjoy it you know and and that's all you could ask for yeah when when i when i have my you know whether it's a script or a film or uh, especially a script because a script you can go back and change Mm -hmm. yeah um but let's say a script you know where I, i have someone read it and uh, I've kind of trained myself to like not have a knee jerk reaction, but it, it's taken a while. Like in other words, what I'll do is I'll acknowledge what's said. Mm-hmm. I just acknowledge yeah. it and I put, I put it aside and I give it a couple of days. Like usually for me, it's the process of going to sleep and then I'm in the shower and while I'm in the shower. I don't know something about the being asleep and then getting yeah. wet and like, and something like, Oh, I see what they're saying. Right. But what, what what it really comes down to as far as uh, like, all right, should I take their criticism seriously depends upon you kind of have to look at the overall everything they're saying, yeah. who they are and say, all right, are they kind of on my wavelength? Mm-hmm. Are they if are they getting generally what I'm trying to say with the script? And if they are, then I think the comments are important and worth thinking about but i've also had like you know where i've given a script to someone and like they're on such a different plane right yeah that really nothing they say matters in terms of actions i should take because they're it's just not for them at all right right uh or or you know so you have to like 
if if the comment if, if the comment is something that you re- or or it's something it might be something out of left field uh but it kind of helps you in a way also mm-hmm. uh where you really okay they don't they don't get the whole script but what they said i can take that information and i can apply it in this way and that would be helpful yeah. so that's what i try to do in the uh and that's what and if if i criticize and if if someone gives their stuff to me to read then that's also what i say is that here's my point of view mm-hmm. i've given it a lot of thought but use what of what i've said is you feel is helpful to you right like right. don't don't you know like t- take time think about it and do what you think um will be is useful Right. And take the, you know, and I always tell people take time to think about it because there's that knee jerk reaction of how dare you criticize, right. you know, how much time I spent on this. Right, right. And that's, that's the awesome thing too, is like, I mean, I have to, I have to keep myself in check. Some of these like life on pause has existed for, I don't even want to tell you how many years. So it's almost like if you're, it, um, uh, I, I, but I have to, it, I have to think of the other person's point of view, like, all right, yeah. Uh, they're looking at this for the first time. Mm-hmm. They've got a busy life. They're taking they're taking time out of their life to look at what I've done, and look at it from their point of view because mm-hmm. they're not thinking, oh, here's something this person put like you know half his life into. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and 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 you have to understand that. You have to think mm-hmm. about like what what would your point of view be if someone gives you something to read? Yeah. yeah. So and the wavelength yeah. is so important because like I got a criticism once from a friend who like mostly watched Michael Bay movies, and I was like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna house that criticism because. What I write is not for you. You're definitely not enjoying what I write. Like you want explosions and guns and running and like that. This isn't what I write. So yeah, you're going to be bored by this 100%. I don't even have to really ask you that. But sometimes there's a part of a script that you as the writer are not like 100% sold on. And you give it to somebody who's kind of on the same plane as you and they bring up that point. You're like, I knew it. (laughs) Like I knew I felt the same way, but I needed somebody to kind of confirm it. Because sometimes you get in your head and you're like, have I just existed with the script for too long? Am I overthinking it? But now somebody else who's has a similar interest in, in, in films is telling me, yeah, I don't know if you need this scene. The scene seemed like it, it was just kind of taking up space. It didn't really offer anything. It's like, totally agree. Got it. You, know, you just you just need somebody to give you permission to kind of ax that because you don't want to take something out that yeah. might be important. But. Yeah, it's important. That criticism I always felt was very important, but it's 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 uh, critical criticism, if that makes sense, where it's, you know, it's not someone just saying your movie's stupid. I don't like it, you know, where... Yeah, why? Why yeah, is it yeah, stupid? Why, like, why, why do you, you know? find, you know, because it's the same thing. Like, if you were to ask me to review any kind of stoner comedy well that just doesn't that doesn't work for me so i'm not coming at it from a place where i can offer anything that is uh valuable to that conversation you know and so um right. I, I don't put myself in that position but if if i watch a film and i there's aspects that i like aspects that i didn't like <clears throat> and i can i can at least if i can understand what the film is trying to say and where the film is trying to come from and then kind of articulate my critiques from that point of view and and again those are my critiques of how i felt when i watched it that doesn't mean anything that doesn't mean i'm right you know mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it just means that these are my initial reactions and um everybody else could love it or everybody else could hate it and i could love it you know it doesn't it's it's comp- just as subjective as the film is so is the the criticism itself of it you know 
Yeah. Well, I mean, in in the uh, the field I work in as a, as an editor, then just just like editing promos, for example, uh, you get all kinds of different comments, but it really comes down to uh, who's got the ultimate say. I mean, yeah. you right. you're you're editing something with a producer who also wrote it, and then that producer's got to like. Uh, appeal to their creative director or creative directors mm -hmm. and the creative director in turn is appealing to someone else whether yep. a client or or their boss and so i've had things where it's completely different like yeah. i mean you got someone saying this went by too fast i don't I, I didn't even see anything and then the boss of that person is like it's too slow i <laughs> I, I think I, I think you need to speed this up right. yeah yeah so if that's a, if that's the person who's ultimately in charge, well, guess what? You're speeding it up right. because because there. I mean, everyone has a different creative perspective, but in this case, the cre it's it's who's got the higher job yeah, yeah. is the creative perspective that matters. But it's so everything is so subjective that you just. I feel like. I feel like you just have to be true to yourself. You have to entertain. You have to entertain yourself. Yeah. Like um, and you have like, and you have to be self self critical. Like I I just wrote an uh, I'm writing another feature right now, and uh, I had this whole outline and I typed out the whole script. And when I started reading it, I realized, hmm, I don't think uh. I don't think I'm liking this. Yeah. <laughs> and but 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 then I realized what the solution was. And for me the solution is always simplifying because yeah. the way that I the way that I, I, I don't I'm not one of those people who has the gift of being able to like sit down and type something from beginning to end. I can't do that. Like I always have to like think things through in terms of like typing out notes and thinking of a timeline yeah. and making sure that A connects to B and everything is like making sense. And um, so sometimes uh, when I'm doing that, I'll think, all right, well, I need to solve this issue to solve this. Ah, here's the answer to this. But what about this? And well, the answer to this is to do this. And before you know it, you, you have something that is inadvertently like way too complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 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 then you have you have something that's now a whole, so yeah. now it's a matter of like taking a chisel. Now you've got something that exists as a full thing. Now it's a matter of like seeing it in its entirety and taking a chisel to stuff and then simplifying it. Yeah, I always that's that's always my process is like complicating, 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 simplifying, simplifying, simplifying. Yeah. yeah. But that's a great problem to have because you don't want it the other way around. You know, you watch a, 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 a film that really doesn't have substance and isn't giving you enough because you're not engaging the audience because you just went straight through it. I always, I, you know, I, I, I agree people write differently and I, I kind of bounce back and forth, but I've never just sat down and written something. It's always something that I've been thinking of for several weeks, even if I don't write notes, but I've been thinking about it for several weeks and then I'll go from beginning to end. But that's, ne I mean, you never film your first draft. Like that's the biggest mistake you can make because you need time to sit with it. And I would all, I also have never just written something. I mean, we've done like skits that I've written in literally 10 minutes before we started filming, but there were skits. But in an actual short film, I want to read that short in like three weeks and see if I even still like this. Because there's been times that I've written, you know, I've 
read it a month later and gone like, what the hell was I thinking here? You know, <laughs> yeah. like this. No, no. Like you have to take all this stuff out. So yeah, it is that that process is. I, I think it's it's just a matter of whether you're going to spend that time in the beginning breaking everything down before you start writing, or whether you're going to do it while you're writing afterwards and then start cleaning everything up. But that you should always be cleaning something up, because uh, if you're just going straight through, then I, I don't feel like enough thought and yeah. and and time has gone gone into really seeing the the ups and downs of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, because it's kind yeah, of like I, having I, a, an emotional oh. reaction to something where. Even if even if your emotional reaction is correct, a lot of times you have to sit. You and take and a moment. And you're like, I overreacted. Moment. Yeah, I overreacted, <laughs> but my point is still valid. Right. Kind of thing. Right, so right. writing can be, uh, you know, similar to that. Yeah, you know, I I've heard so many examples of uh, like very successful directors or very successful writers who've had like you know I I won't give names, but people who have who are so powerful that no one wants to criticize them mm. like they're yeah. like and and that ends up being a detraction because they might do do something that uh they're at the point in their career where they feel like they've they've got the power to do something that's you know uh that that, that that's pretty good from the beginning and then they've got they give it to someone else and that person is not going to want to criticize this very important person yeah yeah so no so it's, it, it never gets the criticism that it actually deserves simply because that person has gotten to a, 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 yeah. a point of success right. where, no, where, where everyone else is looking out for, for their own best interest and then the script sometimes suffers as a result. Yeah, right. yeah, and it's just like surrounding yourself with yes people. And, uh, yeah. and I think that, that, you know, that person needs to create an environment where criticism is welcomed you know respectful criticism. we never want to feel like you hit a point where i have nothing left to learn like i feel like you're done at that well you know it it might it might not be that they i mean it it all depends on who it is but it could be someone that is looking for legitimate criticism Mm -hmm. but is not going to get it because of they're giving it to people who are going to have uh they're going to be too nervous to criticize them right right yeah for sure honestly yeah. yeah, well, that's probably a, an issue I'll never have, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just that's be realistic have, on it. Yeah. yeah, never going to hit that problem point. to have. That's okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> Still happy. Um, well, thank you so much for being on. Um, we definitely want to stay in touch and, and, and see your next short that's going to, that sounds really funny. Yeah, and we'd love to, sure um, thing. we'd love to kind of uh, get your perspective on uh, the experience of, sh- you know, the feature. Yeah, and, shooting, and, yeah. And, um I'm really intrigued by that. If you have time, you know, when you come yeah, back from yeah, Prague yeah. and everything. Yeah, so yeah. There's... <laughs> do, you, do you have a do you have a time frame in which you're looking to start shooting or or to start production? Uh, not necessarily. I think uh, at, at the current uh, at the current moment, I think it's it's relying on uh, politicians uh, right. in the Czech Republic sure. because I think there's been I think there's he he said there's been elections there. And then the new politicians have to put the incentives in place, mm. and I think they are dragging their feet on that at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think we're kind of like in a holding pattern, mm. waiting for that. But I'd like to have everything in a point, paperwork-wise, that's ready to go, right. so that as soon as that's in place, then then uh, it can be applied for. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, you know, hear that. You know 
yeah, that how that goes filming, and, yeah, and, and, filming and in another country. Sounds yeah, that'll intriguing. be something. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that'll be an experience of a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. All right, you too. Bye. Great talking to you. That was Steve or Stephen Lipshay. Lipshay, fancy name. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> fancy <his> name. <laughs> you sound fancy. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to hear his journey, and I'm 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 really kind of intrigued to see how this whole thing pans out because it sounds like a a, a very kind of um, you know it's like one like passion project yeah. stuff that turns well, into you know something. It's more what we always hope is going to happen to our stuff. Right, like right. Somebody will be like, "Hey, you can live vicariously <laughs> through them." Do you want to come to the Czech Republic? Uh, I never thought of that, yeah. but is that the way that this will that be made because be i'll, right? because I'll go I, there i don't want to fly exactly be like well you can come here i'll be like all right i'll meet you there he's gonna take a boat he'll be there in about <laughs> six days and i'll be yeah. there in about seven hours get one of those cars <laughs> that drives on water be there in like yeah. three months you'll you'll take a boat to another country that has a bullet train that takes you to that country or yeah. something um yeah so um next week uh, I'm I'm being forced to sit through Thor. So if I have to endure this, then you have to endure it as yeah. well. So we'll probably talk about that. Um, we we wanted to try to kind of give you a heads up on things that we planned on talking about, so that you can maybe go like, oh, you know what? I was thinking of watching that, and maybe I want to tune Join in and the see convo. see what they thought about it. Um, so we also watched. Uh, if you have Paramount, there was a show called The Offer. Um, just look it up. It's a, 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 a plethora of, of uh, actors, uh, great actors, and, uh, um, you know, definitely a show worth uh, worth the watch. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we'll probably talk about those two things. Maybe we'll throw something else in there. I don't know. But those two will be uh, – I'm sure I'll have uh, a laundry list of crap to complain about with Thor because I generally yeah. – not always, but generally don't really like these movies very much. This is my prediction for you. Yeah, it was funny, but uh, <laughs> it just didn't really do anything for me. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Thanks for ending it with that. I yeah. don't get it. Um, I don't know. There have been... So, one end of the spectrum, I'm hearing uh, just uh, bored, mm -hmm. right? Flop. Didn't really do what it was supposed to do and no good. And then other people saying, oh, it was a stunning example of, you know, whatever. And it's like, it's like anything else. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I mean, uh, I may sit somewhere in the middle and be like, you said, like, I liked this or that about it. But I also yeah. ultimately, I mean, I think it's it's kind of adorable that we're like, oh, look, Natalie Portman has muscles. It's like, all right. So she's probably like looks she's maybe 20 pounds under what like most women are. <laughs> at her biggest you know she's yeah. incredibly petite she's a very very small very small frame i think she's only like five three she's only an inch taller than i am yeah. she's really tiny I'm so it's just to see how what camera tricks they use to try to make her feel bigger you know? i don't know i mean she got she, she for did. her she she, yeah, she gunned she did, up sure. but it's just you know it's I'm just funny from that but it's but just her, funny it's that like her height at her then, most yeah. bulked She's still very tiny, you know, yeah. so it's it's like it's like a Maslani, like, you know, yeah. love Maslani, but like She-Hulk, like you're not going to, you made her barely bigger than she is. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, like, what's the point of that? 
Um, I mean, we know why, yeah. but it just, it's just typical, I guess. Um, so we'll probably talk about those two things. If you're thinking of seeing the offer and you're like, I don't know, or I've never even heard of that. Or, or if you're like, listen, Paramount, so. if you think I'm going to get Paramount so that I can join the conversation, you're kidding yourself. Well, that's yeah. a fair that's a fair play on that, too. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. Shout outs Mo-Graph. to MoGraph. And if you have a film or project or anything that you're working on and you want to send it our way, uh, then do so. But also, if you don't hear from us, listen to some of the other episodes that we've done on why maybe you didn't hear back from us. No shade. It's just we have, uh, you know, particulars. And uh, when you don't hit them, we tend to kind of uh, pull back into the shadows like we never got it because we don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that. That So we'll join you. You'll join us and then we'll join you in your world next week. Next week. Bye. Bye.